Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Yes, the Gridiron Show from Gridiron Magazine. We are back. And not only are we back, but we are bigger and we are better than ever. Because not only are we building up to the 2021 draft. And by the way, if you've not checked out the phenomenal Gridiron Digital Draft Guide from our lead feature writer, Simon Clancy, breaking down over 250 prospects, it's a proper labor of love. You can get it for just £3 or $4 now from Gridiron. Check it out ahead of the draft. But we're launching the show in a brand new way. And apparently we're still called the Gridiron Show. There was some debate over whether we needed to look at the name because I'm Will Gavin, and I'm delighted to say that joining me for not just now, but ongoing, is the former Green Bay Packer, New York Giant, Super Bowl champion defensive back, <laughs> Will Blackman. How are you doing, sir? What's happening? Yeah, this this is not a guest appearance. This, I am here, okay? I am back in the UK permanently, virtually, Will G and Will B in the house. No, I'm excited. No, I, I, I love... Uh, I love when I was when I was living over there working at Sky and just um, I just really enjoyed it. And it was unfortunate what happened last year, pandemic wise, that I couldn't come back over there. But I, I still have money on my Oyster card. OK, just I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm just letting you I, know. I mean, I haven't owned an Oyster card for about 10 years, but uh, <laughs> I, that's fine. I mean, if you want to send it, I'll happily use it uh, now that we're getting back out and getting back out into the world. I like that. Will G and will be. We like the problem is, and I'm sure you've had this your whole life, where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, Listen, Willie that was my first when I was 13 years old and I was playing. I had a really good game and I was in the newspaper, our local paper. That was the first thing ever written. When there's a will, there's a way. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I heard it probably 10 more times. Like, OK, that's enough. Well, look, uh, we've got Will every week. We'll also have some fantastic guests, both guys that Will knows from, from his career that he played with, coaches that he worked with. We'll be doing shows throughout the season, across the course of the off-season, uh, in the build-up to and after the draft as well. So we'll have some really cool stuff coming your way over the coming weeks, months, maybe even years. Who knows? Depends on where we get on, Will be. But let's kind of we're looking forward to the draft it's just about a week away now at this point there's lots of news for us to get into from the draft will something you'll need to learn about me nice and early on i am a san francisco 49ers fan they are the team who to whom i have pledged my allegiance and as you know from being here british fans are pretty tribal in their love and i am still completely undecided on what they're going to do at three i know it's a quarterback but I just can't listen to the Mac Jones nonsense anymore. Listen, but speaking of quarterbacks, you know, somebody you probably held dearly to your heart, Alex Smith, you know, just retired. So that was a, how, how do you feel about that before we get into the draft? Which, which your, your feelings on him? Alex Smith delivered one of my favorite memories as a San Francisco 49ers fan. As much as he wasn't the guy to take us to the Super Bowl when, when Kaepernick took over, the season before that. And I think if you look at the last decade, last 15, 20 years in the NFL, one of the most underrated and one of the best playoff games, the Saints 49ers at oh, Candlestick in the divisional round where Alex Smith ran that incredible bootleg to put the 49ers back in front in the fourth quarter and then threw the winning touchdown right at the end. I think there were six lead changes in the fourth quarter yeah. alone. And, you know, watching the games out here, it was... 3.30 in the morning, and my good buddy who I went to uni with was a Saints fan. We hadn't rolled through the NFC South during the three years I'd known him yet. So it's the first time our two teams had gone head-to-head. -head. And I got bragging rights out of what was one of the best games I've ever seen. And 
I've pushed like I, I, here. I you know the work I do here, working in sports radio. I've been pushing people to cover Alex Smith time and time again. I think it's one of the best comeback stories, one of the best sports stories, one of just the best Easily. human stories of the last Easily. ten years. I, it's phenomenal what he came back from, and right. so I've got nothing but love for the man. Yeah, not not even to just come back and play football, but just to come back and just be able to walk and enjoy everyday life. Yeah, that's. That's unreal. And I remember watching that game because, you know, I was in the Giants at the time. And I just I just remember how physical that game was. Um, I just had I'm really good friends with Dante, Dante Whitner and, you know, Dante Hitner. I just remember him laying people out that game. So that was just um, just unreal game. And I remember watching it because we did not as a, when I was in the Giants, we did not want to go to New Orleans and play the Saints. We did not want that to happen because New Orleans was such a tough place to play. We already played it that year and we got whacked, I think, like 50 to like 10, you know, and I was like, we did not want to go there. But anyhow, let's get into the draft with San no, Francisco. Well, no, no. I, I, have a, I have another question on that because <laughs> because just because the next week and, and I am absolutely convinced that this is a thing. And know, that, game, well, that game was too close. It, it, it should have been that close. <laughs> yeah, that close. the 49ers should have won it hands down. If it wasn't for a couple of muffed punts, it would have been an easy win for us. Not at I all. I get what you're saying, Will. I get it. <laughs> but if you had to rely on luck to get to the Super Bowl, fine. But we're glad you did the Patriots, so we're all right with it. Honestly, though, like, do you think when you have those big emotional wins, big come-from-behind wins... I think you've seen it in recent years with stuff like the Minnesota Miracle, where actually the following week, that team who has a phenomenal come from behind win or big last second win really struggles to pick themselves up for the week after. And that's what happened with the 49ers that year, it felt like. Is that a thing? Am I making that up? Do like no, to players? It, it can, yeah, it can happen for sure, because you're like, oh, my gosh, we can't believe we got through it. We 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 just we fought through a tough game we're exhausted okay now we're on to the next week and let's let's see if we can bring it back up very few can get ready for the next week and one of the few was the new york giants you know we won a double overtime win and then went to the super bowl and handled business so we were the team that we can we were able to handle that so just <laughs> based on my experience of any of my sports teams in finals we would have gone and lost to the patriots anyway so it's fine it's all it's good but you do you do hear the term well about the super bowl hangover you know when you win what happens the next year you know you reach the pinnacle or right you have such a especially if you've never really been there and you have a such a huge win that puts you in a position closer to where you need to get that yeah i can see that our draft preview hasn't involved a lot of draft so far so the number 12 pick <laughs> Well, we gotta let people know, like, what we what we enjoy. This is this, this is we are fresh reloading. Like people, the people want to hear these stories, man. They want to hear this stuff. 100%. You know, they don't, they've been hearing analytics and sports for the and, and draft stuff for the past like two months. But let's get to it. How much should we be listening to Bluster then? Because, I uh, you know, the twelfth pick, two more firsts and a third to move up from twelve to three for San Francisco. It's the big turning point of the draft at this early stage. We know who's going one. We're pretty sure we know who's going to. No, we don't. You don't think so? We don't think so. I, I think San Fran knows who's going number two, which is why they moved up to number three. That's probably what happened. <laughs> That's probably what happened. You figure, you know, LaFleur and Sala came from San Fran and went to the Jets. And so I'm sure there's been some conversation like, hey, we're going to get so-and-so. You might want to move up because this is who we're getting. They're like, all right. Do you think that conversation's had? I'm sure it's been had. Why were they not going to keep secrets from each other? I love that. 
Absolutely love that idea. So maybe we don't know, but I'm pretty sure most people think it's Zach Wilson at BYU. So who goes three? I personally have heard Kyle Shanahan for the last couple of years talk a lot about mobile quarterbacks, running quarterbacks, and he's not a guy who offers up a lot of bluster. And Mac Jones is anything but that. Mac Jones is a, a statuesque guy, and yet all these analysts want to tell me that's where they think San Francisco are going to go. Whereas I think you've got an incredibly special talent like like Justin Fields there, and that's the name I want to hear called on draft night. I don't know of about course. any other 49ers fans. Well, I mean, the the greatest quarterback of all time was pretty statuesque, I must say. It's <laughs> Tom Brady, you know. Statuesque while he's getting hit by your defensive line time and time again in a Super Bowl. Yes, no, exactly. Um, but let's go. I mean, going back to the Jets, number two, I personally, I just like, I like Justin Fields to be the second pick. And simply because you, you always hear about that New York market, you know, who can handle that type of market, that type of media, who can go in here and just lead overall. And just, just with Justin Fields background, you know, on the, uh, you know, the, the Netflix special QB one, you know, he's featured as a high school kid on that show. Um, and he already had the camera on him since day one, he's competed at the highest level from the elite 11, which represents the top quarterbacks, top high school quarterbacks in the nation. He was on that TV show. He went to, went to Georgia, transferred to Ohio state, played at a big stage in Ohio state. Like he's just so used to all of that pressure and he's able to handle it, you know, and, Right. I, I think he's just an incredible athlete. So I, I don't see the Jets not picking him, however it's possible. But yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. Somebody threw that out there about Mac Jones. Like, okay, they're going up to get Mac Jones. And I'm like, really? I, I thought they'd move up to possibly get Trey Lance. I think I like Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance kind of has that, you know, he's the unknown uh, like a Josh Allen was, you know, obviously he was, he was way more efficient where he was, but I, I like Trey Lance. I like what he does. If you don't get Justin Fields, you know, that's what I can see. Yeah. I am totally with you. I think those are the options for me. I, I, Mac Jones makes no sense. Trey Lance concerns me because of the lack of game time over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, whether, that's pandemic related or whatever, that's fine. But that's going to be the case with this draft. I just think if you're going to offer up those kind of those kind of terms, I don't think you're looking for just to get a high level game manager. You want a game changer. And Mac Jones doesn't strike me as that. It does then tee up for uh, like what happens at quarterback behind that. And I think the moment the 49ers moved up, you saw a lot of other teams who were sitting behind it start to make moves of their own. The Eagles moving back with the Dolphins, maybe thinking to themselves, well, there's no way one of the top three, even top four quarterbacks is dropping to us here. So we can afford to move back, get that extra first. Now we've got three next year. You see Carolina go out and get Sam Darnold as well. Like it's amazing how much yeah. the impact of that one pick has made on everyone else and on everyone else's careers. Well, yeah, because they're like, well, let's see if, if anyone's going to move. And now people are moving. There's a lot of reshuffling. What I'm nervous about is what if, what if one of these quarterbacks do fall? out of the top, you know, out of the top five? What if Mac Jones is still on the board? What if something crazy happens and Zach Wilson's still on the board, you know, because all these other teams are all set in terms of what they have at quarterback. So they're just trying to get other positions, you know, that you always hear best player available, you know, they may need, they may need a, a guard, but if they have, you know, let's say JC Horn is the top player in their board and they, well, let's go get him, you know? So 
because I have I have this weird feeling. I have this weird feeling, Will G, that if if Zach, if Zach or Mac, <laughs> if they fall out of the top five or six, that somebody could sneak up and try to get them. Like I'm 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 watching like a hawk. I'm watching, okay? Like I'm like I'm the FIFA president. I'm watching like a hawk. <laughs> okay. I'm watching Washington mm-hmm. for that simple reason. I am watching them because sure they brought in uh Fitzpatrick, you know, and they ended up signing Heineke again. So they they do not have their future. I am watching like a hawk to see what they do. I also think New England at 15. If one of the guys starts dropping down towards towards six, towards seven, towards eight. I mean, maybe not six, because I don't know if Miami are doing a trade with New England to give them a new quarterback. But around that area, there's also Denver at nine. Like I think that's a real flashpoint for me. Now they've gone and got a new guy to run the, the, the front office and a new general manager. And now that they are... I, I'm not buying into in George General Patton, I should say, just to make sure. I know it's actually Peyton, but it's funnier if you say his name is Patton. I'm not. I've not bought into <laughs> the idea that that Drew Locke is the guy. So, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of teams in that conversation. There are, yeah, and, and you know the the Pats. Obviously, they haven't gotten a top quarterback in the first round since what, like Drew Bledsoe or something like that. And um, I like there's there's been a name floating around there, and it's it's Davis Mills. From Stanford. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's a Stanford quarterback, and like just his just his style of play has been really intriguing for a lot of people. Almost like an Andrew Luckish, you know, he's one of those tough Stanford quarterbacks. Um, and KJ Costello ended up transferring to Mississippi State because he used to be at Stanford. But there's been a lot of like details in his style of play. Like for, for example, you know, they were getting hammered by USC and he ended up, I think throwing three touchdowns in the fourth quarter or something to come back and win. Like those, like those mental details that coaches like that general managers like. So Davis, if Davis Mills, he could be someone that the Patriots could probably grab at 15, you know, if he's there. Um, he's, he's one of those guys who looks like an NFL quarterback. If that sounds ridiculous, no six, four proper build, uh, reasonably athletic, you know, on the boots, on, on the rollouts, on the RPOs, that kind of stuff works for him. Like in theory, but I've never seen anything from him that makes me go, wow. And maybe that's why, like, we're talking about guys like Zach Wilson, guys like Trey Lance might have not the same experience or, or the same floor, but they have those wow moments in them. And I think that I kind of feel like when we see guys like Patrick Mahomes and guys like Deshaun Watson, although, you know, that's a whole nother situation we maybe don't need to touch with a 10 foot barge pole. Right. Uh, like, I think when you see guys like that come into the league and be making really special plays, that actually most general managers now are looking and thinking, I want that. I want that to sell tickets and jerseys and, and, and to give us some excitement rather than, yeah, I want the real old school in the pocket subtle right. movement kind of quarterback but it's a it's a gamble no matter what you're you're guaranteed to like not always strike you know and, and land the right quarterback so that's why when it when it comes down to it i think the mental aspect is key um when you're when you're gonna go up and get somebody that high or when you want the quarterback to lead your team the mental aspect is key is like yes this a lot of quarterbacks who can throw it 60 yards, There's a lot of quarterbacks that can roll out and make special plays. But at the end of the day, 
the in in the NFL in pro football, it's it's situational football at the you know everybody's fast, everybody's strong. You know, I'm a big Marvel Comics guy, so I say everyone has oh, some fine. kind of everyone has some kind of mutant ability. That's why they're there. That's why they're in the in the big leagues. Uh, in any sport but what's the difference it's the mindset you know when I mentioned Tom Brady earlier and the one thing that the one thing that he for real has better than anybody probably in the history of the game is his mental endurance you know you already have you know seven how do you keep wanting to get up and go and win again and keep winning you know it's I think it's the most impressive thing. People are like, oh, I'm tired of him winning. I think it's so it's so hard to win one. He wants to get up and keep going. And he keeps finding ways and finding ways. So how do you find a quarterback with that, with both? And Mahomes is a case where he's a rare case where he has all those cool special gifts, but he also has the mindset to lead a team, to not be afraid, to take chances. Like it's hard to find that because a lot of guys come to the league with all the skill and they crumble. If you could have the power of one X-Men, which would it be? Sebastian Shaw. Oh, so all that immediately tells to me is that you are someone who is actually someone who is an X-Men fan or a Marvel Comics fan because you didn't go, you know, Wolverine. Wolverine's my favorite. Wolverine's my favorite. No, he's my favorite. No question. But if I got to have one power, it was Sebastian Shaw. Like, hit me with your best shot. I'm just going to absorb it and use it against you. You know, it's like social media. You know what it is? <laughs> I, I, I was, th- was going to say it's like the honey badger. You like, he takes the one hit and he's going to bounce back and hit you way harder on the next go round. Like, he almost needs to feed off it. Uh, like, that was going to be my comparison. That's a good point. Yeah. There, that's there's, a good one. there's a whole off season conversation about which X Men are like NFL players. And maybe in our, in our next episode, we will. Just- <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just one a week. You throw a random X-Men at me, I'll find an NFL comparison. We'll figure it out. Um, you've been working with a few guys who are, who are up in this coming draft, right? Yes, I have been. Yeah, I've been working. Um, so basically every, for the past, I would say five years, um, a couple of agencies, um, NFL agencies or sports agencies will contact me. He's like, hey, you know, they have all these offseason programs to get their guys ready for the draft in combine and pro days. And each you know, if they have a quarterback, they hire a quarterback specialist and, you know, for each position they hire a specialist. So apparently I'm the defensive back specialist uh, in, in California and uh, agents will hire me to, to train their defensive back. So, you know, this year I was very, very blessed to get two guys actually from the University of Washington. That's Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor, two defensive backs. And it's just I just I love doing that because I necessarily don't really I'm not trying to go and coach again in the, in the NFL. That's a huge commitment, you know, especially after playing 12 years, do I want to, do I want to lock myself in the office again for another long period of time? I like to be around my family if I can be, you know, and, but this allows me to share my experiences to help teach what I know. Cause I went through the whole process by myself. I, I had, I didn't know anyone who's been in it before. So every step I made, I learned on my own. So I love to be in this position where I can help these guys and prepare them what to get ready for. So it's, it's, it's something I look forward to. It's something I enjoy wholeheartedly. How, uh, how hungry are those guys? And particularly, I wonder with like maybe getting less coaching than normal, no combine, what's they've gone through with the, the pandemic over the last year? Has that changed the whole approach to the process? Well, it's, it's been great for them because they have, they have more time to 
you know, we get to sit down and chat more. I get to get other guys in the league around them to, to speak to them and, and tell them what to expect and look forward to. Cause the, the only way is, you know, is to talk to somebody who's been through it, especially on that level. You know, I have a lot of contacts with general managers and coaches and we were able to have conversations and I got, I get, uh, was able to get feedback from these general managers. What do you think about this guy? You know, <clears throat> and they would give me honest feedback. So again, it's, there's only so much you can do athletically to help these guys. Um, as I mentioned, you're going to hear this a lot every, you know, on every episode, it's, it's the mindset that is the difference between everybody. You have first rounders that never make it. You have undrafted guys that make it, you know, and it's just, can I be in the right situation? Can I have the right mindset? And these, and with Keith and Elijah, they, they hit that switch and that click where they, they feel ready. And the great thing is like, after we work during this process with, with the, uh, training, they still have me for the rest you know, of the, of the year of their career. You know, I, one of the guys I trained was defensive back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Sean Bunting. And, you know, he will, he contacted me throughout the entire season if he had questions and it's, it's, it's been cool to, to see that, you know, I, I have a nice fun list of defensive backs who are all contributing in their own way in the league. And that's a, that's a young defensive backfield that you can cite. So guys, like, like if you're talking to Keith Taylor, if you're talking to Elijah Molden, you can look at what they've managed to achieve in, in Tampa Bay, obviously going and winning themselves a ring, but with a defensive backfield that's got a bunch of you know, rookies or second year guys in it who have gone and, and achieved and, and been great for a moment one. And, and people, you know, in theory, positions that are difficult to go in there and compete day one and be starting day one people talk about wide receivers and they talk about defensive backs and learning the routes and learning how to read an opposition and and that's those are the hardest positions to hit the ground running and you can say look these guys look what they've achieved look what they've done a lot of that is mindset and work ethic yeah i, I would say it's it's a position you can plug a guy in now and play because I would say, you know, for if you're a wide receiver, a young wide receiver, you know, you can be in the huddle and a quarterback would just say, hey, you have an out route, you know, like you have you just have to run a simple out route. Even I can run an out route. I mean, I wouldn't no do question. Quickly, yeah, but no. I, know, I, I know what to, I know where to go. I'm listen, not going to get there fast, but I'll listen, get there. J listen, Jason Witten didn't run very quickly. and he managed <laughs> to get, no. Now, he was a big guy with short hands. It's different. But also too defensive back, you know, you might. If you're in the NFL, you know how to play cover one, two, three, you know? So it's like, hey, play your area here. Now where it comes challenging, if you need someone to do more, um, like you can't really plug in a guy to play left tackle. You know, he needs that, he needs that experience and to really understand how to do that because that's the quarterback's blind side usually. Um, also too, there's Elijah Molden. He's a, he's a nickel or safety. That's more cerebral. You're around a lot of people. There's a lot of communication. You have to be right. You have to be in the right spot. So there's, there's other things there, but that's the position you can plug a guy in now, you know, and because they will only learn through experience. I mentioned Sean Bunting. They threw him in the fire immediately. Like get out there. You're athletic enough. Let's figure it out as we go, you know, and, and he's able to answer the call. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for these guys, man. And, and, and it's fun. Like I said, it's fun for me to, to do this. So tell me a little bit. I mean, with those guys, you talked about the process with them, but 
Elijah Molden's generating a bit of first round buzz. Keith Taylor is, is number 42 on, on Simon Clancy's big board as part of our yeah, digital draft guide. Check it out. Only three pounds, four dollars uh, from gridiron-magazine.com. And genuinely, it's absolutely superb. Um, yeah. Do you think, do you look at those guys and think, yeah, they are day one contributors if they end up in the, the right situation is obviously key. Like you say, if you end up somewhere where they play a basic cover two and you know how to play cover two, fine. You know what your role is. If you're doing somewhere where they're disguising coverages and, and throwing things around, then maybe it would take you a little longer to pick up. But do you think those are guys who are going to come in and be able to, to compete and, and get in there week one? Uh, yeah, I think they can compete and definitely play week one in terms of where they get drafted. Who knows? There's there's so many. Like I said, the quarterback class is deep. The offensive lineman class is deep. The wide receiver class is immense. It's it's absolutely insane. There's going to be a lot of like third round receivers who are going to be day one starters. You know, in that case, so uh, for them to come plug in and play, I uh, I definitely believe like they have the ability to do that. So I'm just a, I'm just like I said, I'm excited for for that for that whole process, especially now. You know, it's it. The game has changed where teams are not waiting anymore, especially, you know, in, at the quarterback position, you usually draft the guy in the first round and he sits for a little bit. You know, he sits for a while and learns behind a veteran. It's like now it's like, no, you you we draft you first round. You get out there and you get it done, you know, and and this the whole process is like, OK, draft the quarterback young, have him play now use our money to build around him before we have to pay him. <laughs> and hopefully we get a Super Bowl before we have to pay this quarterback a ton of money. And that's, that's been the process. And I, and I feel like these quarterbacks now, they are ready to do that because it's so competitive now at the high school level with all these tournaments and seven on seven and quarterback camps and what have you. And then these guys are, these quarterbacks are going into college playing as true freshmen, true freshmen and, and playing and get leaving in two, three years. And it's like, Hey, like, let's go before you had to wait, you had to wait, you had to wait. And now it's like, guys are playing now. Now tell me a little bit about your process. Will no, I know that you're saying that it's, it's different nowadays, but when you my were- process was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it makes for better stories, buddy. I know. No, my process was, you know what? Though? It was, it was my fault because so when, when I was at Boston college, I was a defensive back, right? And going into my senior year at Boston college, I was one of like top five defensive backs going into that year. And then my, I remember we graduated about like four, four senior wide receivers and our coach at the time, Tom O'Brien, called me into the office. He's like, hey, we're thinking of like possibly moving you to wide receiver. I said, absolutely not, and left. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's simple. <laughs> that's simple. And yeah, yeah, good day, sir. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, we had several meetings, and I'm like, there's no, I just saw the rankings, and I'm possibly, I possibly could be a first round pick. There's no way I'm doing this. And I kind of, I started to think about it and look at the grand scheme of things. You know, I always, always try to do what was best for the team. I already had in my mindset, like, look, I'm probably going to get drafted. Okay. There's a lot of guys on my team that won't get a sniff. 
So if we had a good season and we, we won a bowl game, that's something that they can cherish and go on with their lives. So I told the coach, I said, listen, I'll try it out for spring football, you know, and he was like, cool. And then I ended up trying it out and I ended up winning the X job. And for those who don't know, you know, for wide receivers, you have the X, the Y and the Z, the Y is usually the tight end. The Z is usually the guy that goes in motion a lot because he's off the line of scrimmage. The X is the number one wide receiver on the team. He is on the line of scrimmage. He does not motion. And he is there. So all your favorite receivers, Julio Jones or whoever you want up there, the X. I thought I was going to be a part-time play both. No, I'm the guy. And so... Let, let me guess, you're running like load of X-ISO stuff as well. Not only, oh, yeah. the, not oh, only yeah. the X, but you're on one side, trips on the other side, and you've oh, just been yeah. left... You've been left just completely isolated. You win, okay? Go win. <laughs> okay, and... <laughs> And I was like, okay, I would like to, I said, can I still play some defensive back? Because I don't want to just be gone. So made an agreement where I was starting receiver, play a little bit defensive back. Anyhow, ended up having a pretty good senior year. I made second team all ACC and as a wide receiver in our conference. And the only reason why I didn't make first team is because some, some bum named Calvin Johnson made first team. You know, he made the Hall of Fame this year for some reason. I don't know why. Average. But- just regular guy. <laughs> and um, so then I go through the draft process, right? So I got invited to the senior bowl, which is the all-star, the college all-star game, the premier all-star game. And they invite me as a defensive back. I've been playing defensive back pretty much all year. So I go play defensive back at the all-star game. I get invited to the NFL combine as a wide receiver. So I go to the combine as a wide receiver. And the funniest thing was at the combine when I was finished, they, the, the, uh, the guy, you know, he announced to all the coaches in the stands. He said, look, does anybody want to see Will do defensive back drills before he departs? Everybody raises their hand. So literally it's me on the field by myself doing defensive back drills for all 32 coaches. It was the weirdest thing ever. Um, then I have interviews with, different coaches and this is where I made a decision where I was going to play defensive back in the NFL because everyone's like hey what do you want to play receiver or corner I was like I'll play either it doesn't matter to me I'm a football player so I meet with the Atlanta Falcons in the hallway they just you know pull me aside like like a date in the bar you know hey you know <laughs> and <laughs> like they met me at a pub over there somewhere. They pulled me if, aside. If, I like, mean, if I pull someone aside in a hallway when I'm in the pub, they generally run screaming. But I, <laughs> like, I'm sure that when it's you, that that works fine. So you're so silly. So they pull me aside and they start <laughs> talking about, you know, they we said they said, hey, Will, we really like you as a wide receiver, and we love the things that you do. You go get the ball. You're aggressive. So. If you're there as an undrafted free agent, we'll probably pick you up. I said, undrafted free agent? He said, yeah. I was like, okay. That there, I was like, I'm not playing wide receiver. If that's where they value me as an undrafted free agent, I was like, no, because other people value me higher than that. I visited the Steelers who thought I was a first-round receiver. Like, it was the craziest thing. So – I remember I met with them. I met with the Packers as receiver. And then I met with like four other teams at defensive back. 
um, my combine experience too. I, I remember, so what happens is you get, you get a list, you get a sheet of all the teams that want to interview you. So you literally just, you're in a hotel. So you walk in, you got to go to this room, go to that room. It's, it's a little eerie, you know, cause you go into these different rooms and there's just like guys waiting for you to interview. It's like interrogation. We, we so, hear a lot. They ask like weird questions and stuff. Did you have anything? Oh, like trust me. I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> so I, I remember specifically, I, I met with the, I met with the Bengals and Chiefs. I met with plenty of teams, but those two stood out the most simply because when I met with the Bengals, this was at the end of the day. So I, I understood guys were tired, but I remember Marv Lewis was the head coach at the time. And they're asking me all kinds of questions and I'm, I'm trying to be as, and I did it all wrong. I tried to be really articulate and smart and da, 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 you know, and maybe it backfired. They were like, this dude is, he's not tough. You know, he's too smart for us. I don't know what they wanted. So I remember answering questions and I look up and I just see Marv Lewis slumped in his chair, laid out sleeping, Will. I mean, good night. I literally, I wow. literally thought I, I literally saw sheep jumping around his head, <laughs> laid out, and I, and I was like, that was the, that's probably the most disrespectful thing that I've ever seen. Like, I should just get up and walk. Like, I, in retrospect, I should have just walked out the room. Now, I, I was like, I get it. This man sit, ha, sat here all day for ten hours and probably talked to like fifty people. I get it, but at the same time, I'm like. Come on. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, I'm not going to the Bengals. Okay. And then I, I go, I, before that though, I met with the Kansas city chiefs <clears throat> and this was crazy. So Herm Edwards was the head coach at the time. Wow. Gert Gertrude Cunningham was his um, DC. And I remember sit, I'm sitting in the chair, just like, just like one of those crime shows, right? Like I'm getting interrogated in the chair. And he's like, they like to create these scenarios and situations. They said, what if you're out in a club and a guy attacks you like this and they proceed to put their hands on me to like simulate or, you know, reenact what would happen. What would you do? So I'm thinking in my head, well, if I said that I will defend myself and, and hit the guy back, they may think that I have no kind of self-discipline. But if I say that I'll call the cops, then they might think I'm a softie. <laughs> they might think I'm, I'm like so what, I'm like so what do I say I'm like what do I say in this situation so I literally just I just started laughing just like that Will just like you just did I just started laughing amazing they said what's so funny I said I can't take you guys serious they said well, I said this is not a real situation what would I do if a guy put his hand on me I guess I just I would defend myself it's that simple and I, I didn't think I would ever get a question like that. Literally reenact, like trying to choke me like the Simpsons and Bart Simpsons and Homer. Just like, hey, what would you do in this situation? <laughs> I thought it was good. But they were, they were great. I met with them a lot. I literally thought I was going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that was my combine uh, pre-draft experience. Absolutely. It was, exhaust it was exhausting. Absolutely love that. Well, it's coming up in uh, in just a week's time. So, like we said, we, we, this isn't. You've got lots of other shows where you'll get a deep dive into prospect, yeah, into yeah. prospect, and and like we said, there's a fantastic draft guide available out there from Simon Clancy, gridiron-magazine.com. Check it out because genuinely Simon's been sending it to me as he's worked on it over the last six months, has been sending me drafts and versions of it as he's worked through tape. And, and it's as in-depth as anything you'll get from anyone out here in Britain. The guy really knows his stuff. So honestly, guys, really do go and check 
that out. What are you kind of looking out for over the next week? Do you think we'll get some moves before the draft? Or do you think everyone's now just holding and waiting and, and allowing that night to come and then we'll see the madness go down? Yeah, I think, um, I think everyone's get, getting their ducks in a row and trying to figure out what's going to happen. So I think probably the day of or right before you'll get a lot of movement because there's a lot of guys right now is like, hey, I can get more equity um, with, you know, a lot of people might try to get into the top 10, especially I'm telling you, the quarterbacks is going to just change everything. It's going to change it. Could, could we see five quarterbacks go in the top? We definitely could see. Because you never know. The, here's the weird thing with, with these general managers is that they get, they get so attached to a quarterback. Like, this is, this is their guy, you know? They want to be the next person to find, like, their guy, you know? Like, like Veach on the, um, on the Chiefs. Mahomes was his guy the whole time, and he, he nailed it. You know, like guys want to GMs want to find their guy, you know, and you have cases where, you know, Ryan Pace from the Bears went up and got Trubisky and he thought that was his guy. He didn't want, you know, Holmes or Deshaun. He didn't want those guys. He, that's what he did. So you just never know. What if and I'll, actually I'm not going to say this. Actually, I'll say it so you can get upset. What if you can turn my mic off so no one has to hear me. Scream. <laughs> what if Kyle Shanahan is like, oh, everyone loves these guys, but I really love Kyle Trask. He's not a bad quarterback. He had a heck of a season. Exactly. He's a, he, is, he had a heck of a season. But there is a big difference between being a team that has been bad enough to only lose three games, to only win three games and be picking as high as third in the draft. And being a team who, despite the injuries, has managed to cobble together enough wins to be picking in the mids and then turn around and go, here's our next three first rounders in order to get the guy we want. And then picking somebody who it's has it's happened it's happened before. No, oh, you're making me sweat on it, Will. I don't like it. <laughs> but I'm ready for it. You, I'm you ready love for it. it. You're you're sweating from the eyelids. I've never seen that before. <laughs> are you um it's called crying, Will? It's called crying, all right. Is that what it is? Okay. Uh, <laughs> are you uh are we gonna be seeing you on TV here or anything uh, around the draft? Are you uh, are you gonna be popping up on our screens or are we getting a gridiron exclusive and people should just get all over the podcast? You should get all over the podcast, period. Yes. You know why? Because we, we, yeah, because we're, we're, we are up and running and moving. This is, this is the new breed, okay? This is it. This is what you're getting. You need to, don't worry. I don't, yeah, obviously go to my Instagram. You'll see me doing other stuff, but come here, come here and get the, come here and get the exclusive. I'm not here to promote anything else. I'm here to promote this. This is what we're doing. This is where I'm at. It's not a guest. This is, not, I'm not renting, leasing. I am here, okay? Uh, absolutely love it. But we will have some fantastic guests coming up. We'll be speaking, as I said earlier to guys, from Will's career, coaches, everything over the course of the draft, the off-season, the upcoming season. Will, as a first go-round, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. I really appreciate your time, man. No doubt, yeah. And then, yes, submit questions, however. like I, I love interaction. We want to hear from the fans, from the people. What do you, what do you really want to know? Because we have plenty to talk about. Oh, and- yeah. So let's, you know, people might, might want to know different perspectives. So yeah, I, I have answers. On social, at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. I will answer questions. I'm not saying I've got answers because I don't know if I do. Not to life's big questions, but I try. I really do. Uh, but I will come at you with some heat and we'll let Will answer the good questions because that's probably what you want from us. Uh, go and ch- uh, check us out there. 
give us a, a rating and review because it really does help people find the show as well. Tell your friends to go and check it out. Uh, get Steal their phones off them. Put it on their podcast list and then they'll listen to it and realize what they've been missing out on because it's going to be real good fun to do this. And, uh, and we'll be back again. Are we doing one next week ahead of the draft? Is producer Harry there to tell us? I actually don't know the schedule. Producer Harry, are you with us? <laughs> Maybe. Next week, we'll be there. There we are. Next week, we'll be back just ahead of the draft next week. And uh, we'll have some, uh, we're going to have some cracking stuff for you, I promise. Uh, great stuff. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching on YouTube for listening, this has been The Gridiron Show. <laughs> <laughs>